0: Maybe they were all in ecstasy.
1: They would answer, but they all starved to death.
0: (laughs) It's alright. I've been praying for his death since 1887.
1: (laughs) I'd be able to appreciate it more if my head wasn't frozen. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that never explains anything. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm
0: Tom Schneider.
1: We are properly married. Consistent
0: is the life we lead. At
1: 602, we have our pipe and sherry.
0: And slippers. And yes. slippers. Oh yeah.
1: Definitely. I'm more of a barefoot person myself. Yeah,
0: actually so am I.
1: It's my hillbilly roots.
0: So also more beer than sherry. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, nonetheless, we do like drinking.
1: Uh-huh. So there's Absolutely. That. <laughs> No new countries this week. We think we may have perhaps uh, reached the statute of limitations. It's possible. I mean, hey, 102,
0: very respectable number. Uh, We're always looking for more, but you'll probably have to be somewhere pretty exotic Mm -hmm. in order to add to our list at this point. Indeed. Yeah.
1: But hey, you know, knock yourselves out. Oh, yeah. Everybody needs a hobby. (laughs) We have this podcast. That's right. Uh, We do have some great telegrams from our cousins. First up is from Cousin Kendra. Dear Cousins Kelly and Tom, I am currently recovering from surgery and I find that the best way to heal is to work on Doctor Who themed cross stitch. (laughs) Yes, I know the fact that I am single is shocking to all. Try not to let it distract you. I don't know about you, but when I do any type of needlework, I like to watch things that may contain others doing the same. This is how I came across several shows that I thought you should know about. First is London Hospital, which is ER, but set in 1905. It is a little bit brilliant and sadly too short, only lasting two seasons. My cross-stitch needs outlasted London Hospital and led me to a show called Lark Rise to Candleford. This show is about a girl, Laura, who leaves her tiny hamlet town of Lark Rise to work at the post office in the nearby town of Candleford with Lydia from the 1995 Pride and prejudice it is set sometime between 1865 and 1895 depending on who you ask the importance of the behavior of those who work for the post office is so overblown you will find yourself judging your mail carrier and finding them wanting
0: (laughs) already do
1: (laughs) what is important to know about this show is that laura has a father who still lives in lark rise and he is a young pre-limp bates Actually, in his youth, it appears that Bates was a Bates slash Branson hybrid. He takes blame for things that aren't his fault, tells his wife to know her place slash fights for the rights of the worker against the wealthy farmer, butts in everyone's business with his advice, and refuses to accept help from others because he can handle things just fine by himself. Thank you very much. I want to be clear, I am not suggesting that you podcast on either of these shows. London Hospital was based on actual hospital records, which would make making fun of it more difficult. Not that I don't think you could, but maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> As for Lark to Candleford, making fun of it would be beneath you. It's just too easy. I simply felt it to be my familial duty to tell you of these shows if you didn't already know about them. Of course, I am now out of things to watch and much more cross-stitching to do, so I might have to take a look at the Edwardian show you posted about. Yours, Cousin Kendra. Uh, that's really kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the London Hospital show would certainly be within our Edwardian parameters. It
0: would, yeah.
1: And I'm glad. Because- and I, I I'm willing to rise to the challenge to make fun of historical people's maladies. <laughs> I feel that I'm more than equal to that task.
0: Yes, um, yeah. And I'm glad to get an explanation of Larkrise to Candleford because I do see its name around, and I'm always stunned at how odd and British it sounds.
1: Now, Lydia would be Julia Sawala, right? Safi?
0: Yeah or or was she Lydia's the one who runs yeah. off of Wickham. Yeah. So okay. yeah. So oh, that's well, Safi
1: from well, Abfab. Well done. Also that chick from a Midwinter's Tale. Yeah. Um Yeah,
0: and I would also say that I think there is uh there's there, there's interest out there for somebody who does Doctor Who themed cross stitch. Yeah I'm and also confident of that fact.
1: I don't necessarily think that cross stitching in singleton is
0: <laughs> Singledomism?
1: Singledomism. Uh, have to go together. Yeah. I, I would never judge anyone for doing cross stitch or make any sort of assumptions on their personal life.
0: It's true. We're very open minded. Heard mm-hmm. up yours downstairs. Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Leo who writes Dear Cousins Kelly and Tom, I truly enjoyed your recent Repeats History podcast and wanted to tell you the bizarre story of Monique Wallace. In 1897, Robert Perry bought the three-year-old Monique and five family members from Greenland to the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. Like the Pygmies you described, it was unclear what Perry told the Inuits to entice them to travel to New York, but travel they did, and for a while lived in the basement of the museum. I have heard several stories about these Inuits, possibly from a 2008 American Experience episode or from a Stephen Jay Gould essay. Anyway, Wikipedia reports that four adults were dead within a year. One woman returned to Greenland, and a museum staffer adopted Monique. In 1910, Perry allowed Monique to return to Greenland, which for him was a totally foreign land. Monique eventually was accepted by the Inuits and excelled as a hunter. The sad ending is that Monique returned to America and in 1918 succumbed to influenza. What was especially sad is that the American Museum of Natural History kept the bones of the four Inuits and even faked a funeral for Monique's father and later put his skeleton on display. More information can be found in Give Me My Father's Body, The Life of Minique, the New York Eskimo by Ken Harper. Finally, in 1983, the American Museum of Natural History returned the Inuit bones to Greenland. Thanks so much for the podcast. I look forward to Mary Poppins, which I saw as a first-run feature in 1964. My favorite song has always been Glynnis Johns and the Maid singing Sister Suffragette. Don't know what that says about me. Cousin Leo. Yes, I am female.
1: Cousin Leo. We know who you are and (laughs) that you are female. Yes, it is true. Yes. So you do not need to be clarifying any longer.
0: At least not on our behalf.
1: Yes. Uh, Well, that was fascinating. Yes, I'm definitely uh, planning to look into this Monique business. Right. Which, although it's going to be really depressing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and Robert Perry was the one that um, uh, faked his way into being recognized as the first person to reach the North Pole, Mm -hmm. I think. So... He was a bit of a rascal in a yeah. lot of ways.
1: And uh, yes, you know, hang tight for the Mary Poppins. Oh, that's right. We are, we are big Linus Johns fans as well. Yeah. And we just watched While You Were Sleeping recently. Yeah. And if you've not seen that, she <laughs> plays the dotty old grandmother who's fantastic. It's
0: true. Such yeah. a
1: great movie. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I think what it says about you is that you're in favor of women's suffrage, which I think
1: pretty, pretty yeah. solid That's position. a very defensible position. <laughs> yeah. Our next telegram comes from Cousin Nicole. Hey, just dropping you a line to say how much I enjoy your podcast. It's great. I'm really looking forward to you covering season three and the in-between episodes have been very entertaining as well. I got a giggle in particular from the A Room with a View installment, which I just caught up with. In much the same way that Kelly couldn't remember if she'd read the book, I couldn't remember if I'd actually seen the movie as a teenager or not, or if I was getting it mixed up with Wings of the Dove or even The Remains of the Day, although they're really not alike at all. It turns out I had, although I'm not sure I need to revisit it again. I am going to attempt to track down Manor House, though, so I can listen to those episodes and actually know what you're talking about. (laughs) Anyway, I'm guessing you have probably already watched it, but I was wondering if you guys enjoyed the Masterpiece slash PBS cast panel and discussion that happened this week. It was part of the giant season three media onslaught that seems to be happening in the USA at the moment and therefore shouldn't have spoilers. And also, because Kelly's Mrs. Patmore impersonation nearly made me fall off the treadmill while running at the gym from giggling so hard the first time I heard it, I thought I'd include the link to the recent German Vogue shoot that several of the cast members are in, including Leslie Nichols slash Mrs. Patmore. She even looks like she's yelling at Daisy in one of the shots, which kind of made my day. And Tom might appreciate Michelle Dockery slash Lady Mary looking very impressive as well. Plus McG and evil Thomas in hat.
0: That That is exactly the sort of thing I might appreciate.
1: Yeah, I think you probably will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think we did see that no. cast panel. Yeah. So we'll have to give that a watch. Indeed, yeah. And yeah, that should be fun. It should be. Uh, and also, there's a note in here wondering what the correct spelling of McG is. Ah, uh, yes. We spell McG the same way as the director. Right. <laughs> so, you know, capital M, lowercase C, uppercase G. Right. McG. That's it. That's how you felt.
0: <laughs> we have spoken. <laughs> Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Spencer, who writes, Dearest Cousins, eat gads. It's Thursday evening, and I just found out I've been named Cousin of the Week. Thanks for the honor. It's a perfectly wonderful way to cap off the year. There's so much exclaiming to be had. Thank you very much for all of the time and effort you both put into the show. Up Yours has been smashing in 2012, and I can't wait to see what you have in store for 2013. Happy holidays, Cousin Spencer. P.S. I absolutely loved your skewering of a room with a view, and I think the episode was all the better for it. And although it's way off course, I can't be the only one secretly hoping the two of you will one day decide to record a scathingly vitriolic episode about another Julian Sands classic, Boxing Helena, Luncheon Out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think I want to appropriate Luncheon Out (laughs) as a sign-off going forward. We could just have our own Julian Sands podcast called the Sandbox.
0: <laughs> That's, I suppose we could. We probably won't though. No,
1: we're uh, pretty full up. Yeah. at this point,
0: like, and that would, yeah, we've got so many ideas that we're never going to do it's already.
1: <laughs> uh, so, with regard to cousin of the week, yes. we've decided that in the spirit of the holidays, we would like to name all of you cousin of the week. That is correct. Now, that may just sound like a lazy cop out. <laughs> And to an extent, it is. Right, right. However, we just want to express at the end of the year our our deep and very genuine appreciation for everybody... Who writes in, who sends us clips, who even just listens. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's really great to know that we're reaching so many people all over the world. Yeah. With our love of Downton Abbey that began just, uh, just last Christmas day.
0: Yeah, that's what I I was gonna say. It's, you know, the the holidays are particularly meaningful for this podcast (laughs) because that is when we started watching Downton Abbey almost exactly a year ago. And
1: we watched it in its entirety between, uh, the 25th and 26th of last year. (laughs) That's right. And we've been, uh, hooked ever since.
0: that's, yep. So it's it's been a good year, and we're looking forward to another one.
1: Absolutely. And happy holidays to all of the cousins. We hope that you're having a wonderful time uh, hanging out with your families if you like them, avoiding them if you don't, <laughs> and uh, eating lots of good food and enjoying all of the things that are good in your lives. Yep. All right. Speaking of holiday treats, mm-hmm. we have a holiday treat for you. Right now, that's right. Which is our uh, our coverage of the 1964 Walt Disney classic Mary Poppins.
0: Indeed, not at all Christmas related. You may notice it but is
1: simply <laughs> magical. It
0: is very magical. Yes. <laughs>
1: uh, it should be noted that while the movie is child appropriate, this podcast <laughs> will not be. No. So just just in case there was any confusion, right? If your kids are kids, if you're listening. Tell mommy and/or daddy that this is not for you
0: because you were going to learn things about Mary Poppins that you don't want to know. You really don't want to know.
1: Them. <laughs> okay, I think we're all on the same page. Okay, if your kids are still listening, you're a horrible parent. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, so the first thing I would point out is that if you have the Mary Poppins DVD, at least the 40th, 5th anniversary special edition that we were using for this podcast, uh, when you go to turn on the subtitles, you will also have an option to register your DVD. I would like to know if anyone has ever registered their DVD. Like, ever.
1: Yeah, any DVD. Any Not DVD. just Mary Poppins. Right. What? Well, because remember, like, it was like right when the internet started, you could, like you had the option to register everything. Right. And I mean, I think you still do. We've all just kind of learned to block it out, like those <laughs> yeah. spam letters from the Nigerian prince. Right. Um, but it was just like, you know, because you could just go and be like, you know, hey, I have serial number, blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't get anything from doing it. <laughs> right is very bizarre
0: Uh, yeah strange to us
1: also to Disney this actually we learned uh, Mary Poppins was in fact Disney's first DVD release ever Mm -hmm. I think this may not have been that version this is like the special 40th anniversary version. right right although that would be 1994 that would be 30th your mom would be 30th that would be 1963 (laughs) wow really sorry sorry 73 okay sorry I was gonna say wow your mom is 30 (laughs) anyway sorry mom (laughs) uh anyway so the the point is this was their first dvd release so that would have been in uh 19
0: 2004 yeah so (laughs) right (laughs) yeah no that would be 40th anniversary 2004 um
1: anyway regardless this dvd clearly is is from an earlier generation of dvd production yeah uh particularly because like when like sort of like the disney like the disney dvd logo comes up and it's like movies music magic (laughs) and i'm like memo to disney dvds aren't magic they're a soon-to-be obsolete form of media like high-speed internet that's magic
0: that's true it's very magic, mm-hmm. and uh, you can you can download Mary Poppins on it.
1: Yeah, you sure can. In <laughs> fact, I bet many of our listeners did. So good on you guys. Yeah, you are the future. Yeah, Disney the past.
0: Yep. Oh, sadly, those of you who did download it off the internet will never have the chance to register your DVD
1: uh, or see the stupid, pointless DVD menu. Like
0: and the animations between all the yeah.
1: I I understand to an extent why people thought that was a good idea to, like, mm. make the DVD menus, like, look cool. Right. But it's not cool. Right. Like, we also just watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit recently, yeah. and they did the same thing. It's like, uh, is Benny the Cab is on the menu, like, yelling at you. <laughs> right. To, like, make a selection. And it's like, yeah. I paid for this DVD. Yeah.
0: And that's something I've seen on other, like, uh, yeah. the Futurama DVDs uh-huh. will do that. It's like, hey, come on. I, I own you. I
1: might be going to the bathroom. <laughs> or, like getting a pizza yeah o- or any of the number of things that people do while they're watching dvds i think
0: those are the top two
1: yeah <laughs> drinking you forgot about drinking all right fair enough um so yeah so it's got all this animation and it's like super annoying yeah we did not care for that
0: the movie however we cared for very much oh
1: man i was interested it holds going in up so well yeah
0: because i It's got to be 10 to 15 years since I've seen the movie, Mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, I saw it a million times as a kid. I guess that's true.
1: Yeah. I mean, this was what I would always watch. Anytime that I was sick, my mom would rent it for me Mm. and she would get me like these like, you know, heart shaped jawbreakers. I don't know why. This is just (laughs) what, this was our ritual. Sure. So, you know, I'd get sick, go to the doctor. They'd be like, oh, you have strep throat for like the 17th time this year. Uh, Mom would take me home and then go to the library and get Mary Poppins because that was like my Mm -hmm. favorite thing to watch when i was sick yeah and it was just very sweet of her because she hated mary poppins (laughs) the person Mm. like mary poppins just got under my mom's skin i think it's because they had a very similar hairstyle for a while at least in the front (laughs) yeah but also just she you know she felt like mary poppins was very like self-righteous
0: she is very she is very
1: self-righteous and i for one applaud her
0: (laughs) yeah the uh opening credits very nice it's like this sort of watercolor uh london scenery and whatnot mm-hmm. you know it's very i mean it was just a pretty a it's beautiful a v- movie it's a
1: very beautiful movie like i was
0: really struck by and that i
1: was actually i'm engaged by this opening credit sequence which isn't always the case for a lot of the disney movies that have mm-hmm. an opening credit sequence um because you know back in the day you always put the credits up front right right and it's i don't know i do sometimes think it's a shame like in contemporary times that the credits don't go up front Mm -hmm. because, like, nobody pays attention. Yeah. Although, on the other hand...
0: You know what it was was uh, Star Wars. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, George Lucas... And this is a a fact I'm remembering for a long time ago, but I believe that the deal was George Lucas actually had to quit the director's guild because he wanted to do like a cold open without the credits Mm, like that. mm -hmm. And one of the things that guild members got was their name at the top of the movie. Mm -hmm. And since he wasn't doing the opening credits, he wasn't, his name wasn't there. And so he had to leave the guild.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: Um, but in any case, yeah, I I mean, I, I, The
1: the only problem though now is that like, because making films is so much more technologically advanced, mm-hmm. I think that there's a greater number of individuals working on any given film. Right. So right. that would be like a really, really long credit sequence. Yeah. Whereas here, I mean, like even like, you know, the artisans who are responsible for the special effects in this movie, you know, they don't number nearly as much as a team, you know, responsible for doing CGI.
0: Right, right.
1: So that's my that's my spiel on movie credits.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, I did learn from the credits that P.L. Travers, author of Mary Poppins, was a consultant on the movie, which I hadn't oh, personally known.
1: She certainly was. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into the movie, let's talk a little bit about P.L. Travers. Certainly. So we just learned all this basically today. Mm-hmm. But she was born in Australia and was an actress. Um, P.L. Travers is not her real name.
0: You, right. It was...
1: It was, I believe, Helen Linden gorf
0: something something yeah like just correct us something that you would change if it was yeah your name. <laughs>
1: um so her family lived in australia and then after her father died and her father was the inspiration for the character of mr banks mm-hmm. he was a banker but he was not very successful he was demoted from bank officer to bank clerk mm. uh, prior to his death so there seemed to be some daddy issues going on there yeah Um, but then she and her that issues
0: are the foundation of art yeah I think
1: Uh, so she moved with her family to Wales actually and Mm. um, she lived in Britain for pretty much the rest of her life she lived in Manhattan for a brief period during World War II which like good job yeah (laughs) Uh, and just devoted herself to writing these Mary Poppins books and there's a ton of them yeah she only died in I think
0: 1996 oh yeah Um, no I read I read a lot of them as a kid I mean there were a million of them and Mm -hmm. they're much weirder and darker than the movie
1: which is part of the many conflicts she had with Walt Disney (laughs) yeah Um, so Roy Disney Walt's brother Mm -hmm. approached her in 1938 about getting the rights to Mary Poppins and this was very very early on and you know they hadn't made any live action stuff so Mm -hmm. P.L. Travers was like no I don't want you to have this So, finally, they did wear her down and convince her in um, 1961 Mm. to go ahead and let them have the rights. I think they were kind of, like, moving on it at that point, but they, you know, they needed to get her permission. So, she got script approval and, you know, consulted on the movie. Right. But they had all these conflicts because she didn't want any original music. She wanted them to use the Edwardian standards of the time, i.e. green sleeves and ta ra ra boom <laughs> um, And she wanted to keep the tone of the books. She didn't like that mm-hmm. they, you know, this is like, <laughs> this is classic Disneyfication. Right, right. Um, of Mary Poppins being, you know, pleasant and cheerful and, and everybody kind of having everything work out in the end. Right. Um, so she was very frustrated with that, and so she had script approval. So she kept trying to fight them on everything. But then, like, basically, this loophole was that they did not give her final draft approval. Hmm. So they went ahead and overrode pretty much all of her yeah. uh, critiques. Now she Which... was she was instrumental in one case, um, the lullaby that Mary Poppins sings to the kids, the "Stay Awake" song. Yeah, uh, they wanted to cut that, and Julie Andrews loved it so much. Uh, that she actually called P.L. Travers and was like, can you please, you know, go to bat for me on this? Yeah. So P.L. Travers' bitchery and <laughs> Julie Andrews' uh, Machiavellian
0: tactics
1: <laughs> ensured yeah. that that song stayed in the movie. That's
0: good. I, I like that song. And I, and I mean, I will say that um, doing Edwardian standards as opposed to original music, perhaps she should have considered the fact that Disney's weren't idiots and wouldn't y- do that. Yeah. They're trying to... This isn't a documentary, yeah. P.L. Travers.
1: Um, another interesting point is that Cameron McIntosh, the London-based musical producer, you wouldn't know him, but I'm sure many fans of our podcast know him as the man who brought us both The Phantom of the Opera and Les Miserables. Ah. Uh, he also produced a very successful revival of Oliver uh, hey. in, I believe, the late 90s that featured Jonathan Price as Fagin. Yeah. Um, I've heard the name, so. Yeah. Uh, Cats also. That was his first... Mm. Big, big thing. Yeah. Um, you know, he's had like a special on PBS called Hey, Mr. Producer. He's very well known. Sure, sure. To people who aren't you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he approached her at some point early in his career to see about making a Mary Poppins musical. Mm-hmm. And so she was adamant that if he did, he could not have it have anything to do with the Disney version mm. and that no Americans would be allowed to work on it. <laughs> wow. There are. I'm kind of. This is just off Wikipedia. I haven't dug into it any further. Mm -hmm. So basically, after her death, he went ahead and adapted the Disney version uh, Uh, for the West End, and that's the version that's currently now playing on Broadway. Mm. But on her Wikipedia page, it said that in her last will and testament, she authorized him to go ahead and and you know use the uh, the film Hmm. to create the musical. Okay. I mean, again. Well, not I mean, an I idiot. Like why how you can't ex- make a Mary Poppins musical like at this point? Like Disney, right. well, Disney yeah. owns
0: yeah, like, that It's been done. Yeah. Well, and I also think that even if she did put it in her will, it may have just been a because she can once it doesn't matter. The right's pass to somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, you can ask that person in your will to not allow that, but it's kind of you know it's it's moot. Not, not up to you anymore.
1: Especially when you're dealing with Cameron McIntosh who can give you all of
0: my <laughs> yeah so that's, every every time somebody sings memories at a community theater audition cameron mcintosh makes another five pounds <laughs> it's nobody knows how it works
1: <laughs> it just drops down his kidney he's like oh uh so yeah so that's pl travers in a nutshell
0: yeah uh, interesting person and and i do actually i want to go back now and and read one of the books again because i haven't read them at least since i've seen the movie and i i just have a vague memory of like disturbingness. no
1: i know i do too i read i read you know the eponymous mary poppins mm-hmm. and i just i yeah. don't remember almost anything about it except that i read it and i was like that was different <laughs> yeah And I never read any of the others, so clearly I cast my lot in with the uh, shiny happy people version.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I read several of the others. I was always a sucker for children's literature series from, like, before 1930. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I know how you do. Yeah.
1: Um, Nesbitt. And it was actually the idea of the the movie's composers. The books are set in contemporary London for Mm -hmm. the time. They're set in the 1930s. And so it was the composers, uh, the Sherman brothers, Hmm. who suggested that they they move the setting to Edwardian England. And I can only assume it's because they had written a bunch of Edwardian songs that were just, like, lying around.
0: Yeah. Uh, No, that's very fortunate for us.
1: Yes. (laughs) And you, listeners. (laughs) That's right. So, yeah, this movie, uh, just from the credit sequence, we... Delved into a lot of trivia, because we had some time on our hands right. before the action started. But yeah. uh, the director was Robert Stevenson, and he was nominated for an Oscar, and no one knows who he is now. <laughs> but this movie got 13 nominations for Oscars, which is still the record for mm, Disney. Wow. Um, yeah. It was the only film personally produced by Walt Disney to be nominated for Best Picture. Oh, okay. Um, the other one being Beauty and the Beast. Which right, obviously right. He was, he was dead. Yes. Dead, dead. Yeah. had nothing to do with that one
0: his well his frozen head was still around
1: <laughs> accepting the oscar <laughs> walt disney's frozen head <laughs> 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 no you're confusing it with spiro agnew <laughs>
0: that's true uh so yeah we've got uh dick van dyke kicking things off with his one man band routine mm-hmm. uh seems to take a lot of coordination i, I don't know i know get, i I'm pretty impressed. As were the uh, the middle-class citizens gathered around him. Uh-huh. Which this is, you know, we we get a, get a very interesting class perspective in Mary Poppins that we don't get almost anything else that we've done, which was nice. I mean, it was very, you know, middle-class. He's not Sir Banks. Yeah. You know, he's not in the, the nobility in any way, mm-hmm. but he's got servants in a house and is a respected member of the community. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, I get, you know, Matthew.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. You um, know, the two servants. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, three if you count the nanny.
0: Oh, right, that's the true. The revolving
1: door of nannies that <laughs> yeah. parade in and out of 17 Cherry Tree Lane. <laughs> uh, so this is what's so weird, is that this movie actually starts out with a frame narrative, and then it completely... Drop.
0: yeah yeah like at the beginning we're in the movie uh-huh dick van dyke talks to us and says come on down to cherry lane governor
1: and we're like are we supposed to be someone like <laughs> were <laughs> right. I supposed to dress a certain way
0: <laughs> yeah because this is i'm not going to fit in on 17 cherry no. tree lane
1: we might if we hung with that admiral boom <laughs> oh man i love admiral boom
0: I just meant more how I was dressed.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs>
0: Admiral That's... Boom would not approve.
1: No, you are not shipshape in Bristol fashion. Not at all. <gasps> uh, so yeah, so he Dick Van Dyke uh, takes us down to Seventeen Cherry Tree Lane, and
0: uh, yeah, he he talks to Admiral Boom, who's up there with Mister Binnacle, and he's like, "Oh, watch out." He because oh, of course Admiral Boom, known for his punctuality, and he always sets off the cannon and uh he says, Watch out, heavy weather brewing at seventeen Cherry Tree Lane and I was like, Ah, I see you are also known for your nosiness,
1: Admiral <laughs> Boom. Why do you think he has that periscope? <laughs> yeah. So Dick Van Dyke gets a lot of shit still for his accent in this movie. It was rated like the number two worst accent in a movie. I don't know what number one was, but I can only imagine it was a tie for Leonardo DiCaprio and Cameron Diaz (laughs) in Gangs of New York. See,
0: that would be a good choice. I actually heard one list that had Sean Connery in um, The Untouchables. Because he was supposed to be doing an Irish accent. Okay. And he just talked normal? Yeah. So I heard that as like a top of the list. But really, Dick Van Dyke, nowhere close to, like you say, Cameron Diaz, Leonardo DiCaprio. Nowhere close to Kevin Costner.
1: He is completely committed yeah. Like he's so committed well, can you not tell that he's Cockney? Like in what right. way is how he's speaking any worse than what Michael Caine gets nominated for Oscars for?
0: <laughs> Indeed. Well it's he's a cartoony character. Yeah. They're all cartoony. Like he's not, you know They're
1: tiny. They're toony. They're all a little loony. <laughs>
0: that's that's actually quite true. <laughs> <laughs> um but yes, in any case there's uh the heavy weather is on uh Katie Nana. The appropriately named is that her legal name, right? They they always call her Katie Nana, and I'm confused by that. Yes. Uh, but in any case, she is leaving in a huff because the children have run away. Which uh, is your job not almost in its entirety defined as knowing where the children are? Like, how is this? Why are you all up in a huff? Mm-hmm. Like, also,
1: like they're kids. They're dumb. They yeah. run. They run off sometimes.
0: That's why they have a nanny. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But no, Katie Nana very upset.
1: Yeah, she's very O'Brien about the whole thing. <laughs> she is
0: <laughs> definitely. Uh, but she's
1: like, oh, by the way, Glennis Johns, I put a bar of soap under your bathtub. <laughs> I hope you find it.
0: <laughs> I hope so too. Um,
1: I'll throw it at the prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which brings us to the subject of Glynnis Johns as Winifred Banks, Mm -hmm. who's fantastic.
0: Very much so, yes.
1: Frankly, having met her children on many occasions through my watching of this movie, I think she's making the correct choice to neglect him in (laughs) favor of women's rights. I mean,
0: that's true. She's
1: so enthusiastic about it, and she's clearly not enthusiastic about those kids of hers. It's
0: true. Well, and there are many more women in Britain than children in the Banks household. It's true. So, you know. Greatest good for the greatest number, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, but yeah, she is so, she's very excited about the meeting that they've been at, uh-huh. and some of them got hauled off to jail, and, uh, you know, so they all, so rather than listen to Katie Nana's complaints, she enlists her in a song about Sister Suffragette.
1: Yeah, and they're all saying, you know, well done. Well done sister suffragette and you know it's like their daughters' daughters will adore us. Yeah. And they'll sing in grateful chorus. I'm like no they won't. They, they'll no. say shut up. Shut up. I'm not a feminist.
0: That's that's exactly what they say. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well anyway, at least they can vote. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, but, but Katie Nana interrupts them during what was clearly the final chorus. I was mm-hmm. like, seriously, Katie Nana, you couldn't have waited ten more seconds <laughs> put it up with it that long. She's a bitch. The song, by the way, does mention Mrs. Pankhurst in yes. the lyrics, who yes. we've discussed before. That was cool. But yes, Katie Nana has had enough. She's out.
1: Yeah, demands her wages. Can't even tell Mrs. Banks where the children are. Right. Like, doesn't offer to stick around and say, you know what? Uh, I fucking hate your guts and I'm leaving, but I'll help you. I'll, I'll stick around until the kids turn up.
0: Like, <laughs> Yeah. There's nothing bad can happen to them wandering the streets of 1910 London, I'm sure. I
1: seriously doubt it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So then we... Everything worked out
0: for, all right for that Oliver Twist, right?
1: <laughs> well, that was, to be fair, Dickensian London, which was uh, much, uh, much more broadly drawn.
0: <laughs> that it was.
1: So we do finally meet Mr. Banks. Yes. uh, Strolling along.
0: Who we're also big fans of in this movie. Oh,
1: his performance is so good. I think, you know... We'll get to them in a minute. Like, Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke own this movie. Oh, sure. They deserve all the accolades. But, like, this guy... Yeah. Just... He has this really thankless job, and he Mm -hmm. just plays it to the hilt, and it's amazing.
0: Well, I mean, it's just always so grounded and humanized uh-huh. even though he's this you know monster <laughs> right you know and this obsessed with propriety person but he's always just you know he's he, well and what's he always everybody in the movie gets to sing their side of things Uh huh. you know so he gets to sing about how things should be prim and proper and mm-hmm. and all that and
1: well and i i love when he is introduced because you get him talking to admiral boom and, like, basically everything Admiral Boom says, he just ignores. He's <laughs> yeah. just, like, you know, rattling off these platitudes. And, <laughs> yeah. and Admiral Boom's like, oh, did you hear me? Like, there's a storm coming. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> so he goes home and he sings his whole song about, you know, consistent is the life I lead yes. and, and how great he is. And that, you know, he is a, a benevolent monarch in the mold of King Edward. Right, right. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting Because they did move it to the Edwardian period. Mm -hmm. And really, the movie functions really well as a critique of the Edwardian uh, imperial attitude. Yeah,
0: it definitely does.
1: Because, you know, he's saying all this about, oh, you know, my life is so great and everything's wonderful. And then his wife interrupts and is like, oh, by the way, children (laughs) are missing, presumed dead. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So they're gone. Yeah. Which will really free you up for your bank work and me <laughs> for my throwing, you know, rotten eggs at the prime minister. So yeah. maybe this is, you know, a silver lining.
0: I'm sure they'll find work as, you know, match girls or whatever.
1: <laughs> Especially that <not> Michael. <gasps> um,
0: um, I will say that uh, at least Mr. Banks does correctly blame the nanny. As oh, opposed yeah. to
1: everybody else who's
0: like, oh, I'm so sorry for you, nanny.
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, what horrible children. <laughs> More like a horrible nanny.
0: Uh, but fortunately, the children uh, show up. Yes. By, brought there by the constable. Yes. Constable something.
1: Constable Jones, I believe. Is I his think so, name, yeah. Who also was quite... Like, he pops up pretty consistently throughout the movie mm. and just delivers a lovely performance.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he does. Well, and he's... Because there's a, a subtext. Uh, you know, the father is mad at them for having been gone, and the constable is, like, trying to be protective of them. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's like... Because... Uh, in many households, they would get beaten at this point, and yeah. the constable does not want that to happen. Like, yeah. Like, that's what's going on there.
1: No. It was pretty good. Well, and yeah. he, uh, Mr. Banks insults him. Yes. By implying that... Well, he
0: says that, go into the kitchen, and I'm sure a cook will find a plate of something for you mm-hmm. as his, you know, reward for finding his children. Mm-hmm. And the constable is not a servant of Mr. Banks. He is doing his job. Exactly. Yeah. That he works for the government, not for him. So
1: he's, he's quite grumbly as he takes off. Uh, So, you know, the Mr. and Mrs. Banks send the children upstairs. That's pretty much all, like every conversation they have (laughs) with their kids is go to the nursery. Yeah. Uh, Which is really accurate. Right. It's very, very accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, and my larger point was as a critique of the Imperial thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think I mentioned this yeah, yeah. or got there. But this movie really is about a lot of sort of more uh egalitarian and female voices kind of chipping away at this very rigid right. idea of what the world should be. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. you know, it, you know, wasn't enough to save the empire since part of egalitarianism is not subjugating oppressed peoples. Right, right. But uh I think it's it's just interesting because it is made by Americans. Yeah. Yeah. And I find it fascinating yeah. to see Edwardian England refracted through this uh, American, you know, right? Well, particularly this, very, this hip with it 1960s yeah. consciousness.
0: Yeah. No, and that's in particular seeing perceptions of England from a part of America that I'm not familiar with myself mm-hmm. or at least not haven't lived in myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very, very cool. So they need a new nanny. And so Mr. Banks asks his wife to take down an advertisement that he's going to place in the time because
1: she's been in charge of hiring the nannies and they've engaged mm. six nannies in the last four months which is that's, that's really high turnover
0: that really is high turnover for kids who don't seem to be that troublesome no at any point they in
1: kind of seem catatonic
0: yeah <laughs> like this is not a you know calvin and Hobbes situation no. with these kids <laughs>
1: Um, oh, it's also worth noting that the uh, the Banks has got their telephone much earlier than the Crawleys. Uh, yes, because we find it, out yeah, that it's it, the year nineteen ten. Right, right. And uh, so, you know, but they live in London, so uh, they would have right. it would have been more fashionable. Yeah, and uh, you know, when more people have a telephone, the more important it is for you to have one.
0: Indeed, indeed. Yeah, and in uh, PG Woodhouse's book, when he talks about. It's a thinly veiled version of himself that goes to work for a bank at some time around this time, possibly slightly before, that they are uh, the rare bank that is, as the saying goes, on the telephone. Ah. That's apparently how the saying went. I see. Um, so yeah, it's new technology. Because when he goes to place the the ad, he lists it up and he says, get me the times. No, I don't know the number.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, and my favorite part about the, the exchange with the constable is how... He's, uh, Mr. Banks is on the phone with the with the police uh, right. saying his children are missing. And then the constable shows up. He's like, oh, he's here. What wonderful service. <laughs> yeah. like, you are hilarious. Yeah. You crazy ass.
0: Yeah. So, yes, he demands a very serious nanny, you know, disciplined. He says
1: a British nanny should be a general.
0: Yes. Yes, indeed. Which
1: is interesting from a layman.
0: Yes. And, and Mrs. Banks takes it all that She must know shorthand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he must be able to read shorthand later. Anyway. Well. <laughs> um, however, the children have a different plan. They have heard all this and they have their own request for a nanny. Less general, more uh, nice.
1: Yeah. More cuddly. Pansy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Michael's sole contribution, no warts.
1: Uh, like, he also said you must not smell of barley water. right? Which is it's that like, alcohol?
0: I th- very good question. I don't know. I f- I I wanted to look it up actually. Because I did too, I've but I was ba- I was transfixed
1: Water. by the production values. Yeah,
0: well, it's true. Very nice. And uh, I was like, wow, Michael, that was all you could come up with. Your sister came up with all these very useful qualities in a nanny.
1: I really believe that Michael has some developmental problems.
0: He kind of seems to. He stands slack jawed through most of the movie. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the kids are both adorable and hideously ugly. Yeah. It's kind of incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh,
1: and they they specifically request that they not be fed castor oil and gruel. Right. And I'm like, you all seem pretty loaded. Like, when have you ever had gruel? Is it just a rumor? <laughs> yeah. Amongst your friends? Like, oh, I heard poor people have to eat gruel.
0: Maybe they've just been threatened with it by various nannies. Yeah. I'm sure they've heard a lot of varied threats.
1: Type down, where all you're getting to eat is gruel. <laughs> That's not even real.
0: Shut up. Nanny needs a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we've got the, the running gag through the whole thing of the cannon sending all their furniture and, uh, you know, flying every mm-hmm. time it goes off.
1: And, and the we have not mentioned entirely, so the, the servants are Cook and Ellen. Right. And Ellen strikes me as like Mrs. Patmore's sister whose son Archie was shot as a traitor <laughs> in the war.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because
1: she's always... <laughs>
0: <laughs> she is quite cranky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: and Cook is just kind of like this old lady with white hair. Yeah, like, she's
0: that's... fine, but very, very bland. Yeah. And and uh, Mr. Banks notably, because... Mrs. Banks always says to your posts when the can is going to off Mr. Banks noticeably does not have a post mm-hmm. he simply stands continues whatever conversation he's having which is another very like British Empire as long as we invo- ignore any possible inconveniences nothing can go wrong exactly It was pretty much their approach to their empire <laughs> As I've been reading, I've been reading, I'm just going to throw this out there. I've been reading a secret history of the English occupation of Egypt by Wilfred Scowen Blunt, who was a big part of it. And this is more in the 1880s. So we won't really be covering it. But if you're ever interested in reading about the British screwing something up, I recommend that to anyone.
1: Duly noted. That's
0: all. It's just been on my mind the last <laughs> few weeks. So the, the next day, the nannies have arrived. Um,
1: Fun fact. Many of these nannies were in fact men dressed in drag. as women to uh, further highlight their uh, ghoulishness (laughs) and presumable (laughs) wart-having, barley water-smelling selves.
0: Right. It's it's well known that men often smell of barley water.
1: Uh, Yeah. Sure. Mm, Yeah, totally.
0: Uh, But in any case, the nannies aren't a threat for long as they're all blown away. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So my question is... Were they okay? Like, That's... where did they get blown to? Also, what if you were just a passerby on yeah. Cherry Tree Lane? Like, do just walking <laughs> down to the... Whoa! I don't even want to be a nanny!
0: Right. And why didn't any of them, like, come back later to be like, Listen, I was here at 8, but there was this wind. Is the job still open?
1: <laughs> very, very poor. <laughs> well, I'm afraid you'll just have to stay that way. Good day. <laughs> It's probably a deleted scene. Yeah.
0: I think we've answered that question.
1: Mm -hmm. So Mary Poppins comes in and basically just announces that she'll be doing the job. Yes. Uh, Also that she is never cross, which I would take (laughs) issue with. It's funny because it's like, they're like, oh yeah, like Mary Poppins, it's like this whole like lovable thing. But she's never really lovable. Like the tone of the movie is cheery, Mm -hmm. but she's basically a sociopath.
0: (laughs) She is. No, and she's, and this is, you know, as we were saying, uh, uh, Julie Andrews, you know, I mean this is not news to anyone, but man, she Uh, kills in this movie. Well,
1: she won Best Actress, beating Audrey Hepburn. Who uh, oh. usurped her role in My Fair Lady ah. that same year. Yeah. So, you know, suck it, skinny.
0: <laughs> That's right. Although, and from I mean, what
1: I understand, Audrey Hepburn was a perfectly nice person who did a lot of really good work for UNICEF. So.
0: She's, a, she's a very nice person, and she's not getting within 20 miles of my movie. <laughs> yeah, so she, she comes in and, and takes the job.
1: Because well, she has the advertisement that the children wrote, which Mr. Banks had torn up and put in the uh the fireplace
0: right, which was went right to Mary Poppins because she apparently lives on a cloud
1: she that is actually before the uh the orchestral uh overture. yeah, that's what we see. We see Mary Poppins putting on makeup on a cloud. yeah It's, uh, it's weird that she lives on a cloud because she clearly knows so many people around town. right Well, I mean, you know
0: that's just where she sleeps at night (laughs)
1: um so mr banks is so disconcerted by the appearance of this thing that he thought he had thrown away right uh
0: that he fails to stop her from becoming the nanny yeah Yeah. so
1: she goes and she slides up the banister and which i'm like this is a red flag (laughs) Uh, I did find out that a lot of the, the visual stuff in the movie, like this and um, the medicine bottle that dispenses three different colors of medicine, like mm-hmm. they didn't tell the kids about a lot of that stuff. Oh, so that yeah. their reactions would be very, like... I think that's why Jane, like, screams. Yeah. <laughs> when she sees... She's like, ah! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. a lot of those reactions are genuine. Cool.
0: Yeah. And uh, the, the kids are shocked. And um, Mary Poppins says, shut your mouth. We're not a codfish. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not sure... Again... Michael may be a codfish. She
1: very well <laughs> may be a codfish. Definitely a Pisces.
0: Yeah. And then we get the the Spoonful of Sugar song, which I have to say as a child, I always found to be quite a ripoff. Because it's really more like a spoonful of magic helps. Like,
1: yes, <laughs> any job
0: is fun when you can snap your fingers and make it happen like that. Yeah, that's true. Like, because there's there's a fine message in the song where it was just, just like, you have to find the fun part and focus on that. And then, you know, whatever. But this was just, this was a total cheat. Well,
1: yeah, the fun part was the magic, Tom.
0: Right, but what if you do what if you have to clean your room and you can't snap your fingers
1: oh i just don't clean it (laughs) well right neither do i (laughs) which explains why we live in squalor
0: (laughs) yes it does
1: it's not really squalor everybody it's more just cluttered yeah we're creatives (laughs) man get off our backs
0: la vie bohème
1: get me my bongos oh yeah sidebar about musicals. <laughs> yeah. So I just, for the first time ever, watched the musical movie adaptation of Rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom did also because I made him. <laughs> right. But like th- between that and, you know, just like I've been reading all these really bad reviews of the Les Miserables adaptation that's coming mm. out. And just like musicals used to be taken very seriously yeah. by yeah. Hollywood and the Academy. And now they're always very dismissive of that like the last one that had any kind of prestige really was chicago right which i will grant you i think had really good cinematography i think they did well but like that still they had to do it on this like meta level you Mm -hmm. know where this is just like this is all singing all dancing yeah yeah no apologies whereas now it's all got you know you have to and i think it may just be by virtue of you know you know, this is kind of before cinema verite got like incorporated into everything. Yeah, I
0: mean, just different, you know, tastes.
1: It's just, it's just fascinating to me that musicals haven't found a way to retain. Well, I mean, their like, relevance. Yeah,
0: because you were looking it up, and it was, you know, three of the top four box office successes in in '64 were musicals. Mm-hmm. So it was this, and My Fair Lady, and uh, a third. Oh, one. it
1: was The Sound of Music. Yeah, The Sound of Music,
0: right. And then uh, the James Bond movie that year. like yeah. Those are the top four movies. That's... And,
1: you know, that just... That would never happen today.
0: Yeah. I, guess, I was going to say, people still like the James Bond movies, but can't really do a gritty reboot on, like, the musical genre exactly.
1: Well, uh, yeah. Well, because that's the thing. Because, like, This lame is kind of a gritty reboot, but it's still got this very, like, majestic musical-y thing going right, on. Right, because
0: it's still... Yeah, the, the musical part of it is yeah. still... You know.
1: So anyway, uh, yeah. if you have any ideas about how to rehabilitate the prestige <laughs> musical, please let us know, and we will steal your ideas and take them to Hollywood. Yes, and be laughed at. Yeah, yeah.
0: Try taking your ideas to somebody powerful. See if that helps. Hmm.
1: <laughs> I don't like the part of this there where it doesn't involve me.
0: Oh, we still get ten percent.
1: Oh right, we gotta wet our beaks. Exactly. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so they, they, they spoonful of sugar it up. Yeah. Although things get a bit out of control. See, Mary Poppins gets a little cross here. She does. She yells at the toys for bopping up and down so much.
0: Yeah, she does. She's she's quite uh, short with them.
1: Yes. Uh, well, because she says she's very kind but firm. And I'm like, do you know that the way that you're firm kind of comes across as being cross? <laughs> So she she gets the kids into their clothes and they go out for an outing. Yes. Whereupon they encounter Bert, mm-hmm. who is a sidewalk chalk artist for a, the day.
0: A screever. A as screever. He says. Yes. Uh, uh, the best, uh, the closest in time information I could find in the 1890s, there were believed to be 500 full-time screevers in the city of London.
1: Wow. Yeah. Thank God for TV, eh, screevers. <laughs> <laughs> they would answer, but they all starved to death. <laughs> So uh so yeah, so Bert uh Bert knows Mary Poppins. Yes. Uh seems to know her quite well.
0: Quite well. Quite
1: well in fact. Yes. Uh private theory which I believe actually is not so private right they totally were doing it a while back
0: totally they
1: did it all the ways Edwardians knew how yeah
0: with magic yeah like
1: oh my god yeah can you even imagine sex with magic with yeah. legit magic
0: like you imagine that <laughs> musical number
1: oh my god
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is what musicals need
1: <laughs> more magic sex <laughs> yeah <laughs> Quick, to the Harry Potter fan fiction for inspiration. <laughs> no, so P.L. Travers was very insistent upon this point that Bert and Mary Poppins' relationship be clearly conveyed to be platonic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke actually lobbied for certain songs to be cut because they came across as being very romantic. Mm. And they said it wouldn't have been family friendly. And I was like... What constitutes non-family friendly yeah. at this point? Do
0: you know where families come from?
1: Um, <laughs> the Thames. <laughs> um, it's so from, anyway. It's from romance. It's, That's how yeah, that happened. It's very strange. Because it's yeah. like the sound of music was family friendly. Yeah. And that had a whole love story with yeah. like kissing and everything. Yeah. Multiple. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But um, anyway. So they they tried their damnedest, apparently, to make it seem like they hadn't done anything. But But they burn up
0: the screen.
1: Sledgehammer. Yeah. It's like, oh, we did it. Bang. Oh, we did it. Bang. Oh, we did it. Bang.
0: But, and I mean, it's just, you know, it's great. Like, there's so... Their chemistry
1: is, like, sizzling hot. Yeah. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. No, and I, I had a note that the way that she is completely unimpressed by everything Bert does... Yes. ...is so key. I mean... It's also key to just Bert, like being an acceptable character, because uh-huh. he's so like ridiculous in his way yeah. that having somebody there be like, ugh, but still like him, like yeah, it, it exactly, yeah. Makes no, the and I mean, God,
1: out of everything we watched today, I'm not sure I enjoyed anything more than the Jolly Holiday number. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I that, basically, I was so mesmerized that I didn't even get around to writing any more notes until those penguins showed up. <laughs> yeah, and that was merely to note how long it had been since I had taken a note. Yeah. The animation and the live action here work together so well. Yeah. Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke are so invested Mm -hmm. in the... I mean, because when I think about it, I always think of the the, um, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious sequence. Right. I never think of the characters in that as not being in the same universe. Yeah.
0: Like, this whole
1: sequence works so well because everyone is so invested. Yeah. And... It just works.
0: Yeah. It's really, really.
1: And just, I mean, and just technically. Yeah. Like when they step on the turtles to go across the, the river. Yeah. Or, you know, or when when, when he's dancing with those fucking penguins. Yeah. That is one of the best dance numbers in a musical. And there's only one human in it. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of it is all fake. Yeah. It's all just animated. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: No, it is it's amazing how how just how good it looks, mm-hmm. you know, after you know however many years. Well
1: that and so many of the special effects, they again look better to me than a lot of CGI stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just always enjoy it when you know that a human had to make it. Mm-hmm. You know that people mm-hmm. had to spend hours tinkering and figuring out how to make the the paintings on the walls so that they all would shift at the same time. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how they how they could make it look like you know they kicked the vase up off the floor. Right, right. Um. So anyway, Jolly Holiday, great song. Yeah, so clear. Like Bert is clearly trying to mac on her in the song. Yeah,
0: and like they they acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah. Because she, her verse is how he would never take a, press his advantage.
1: Uh-huh. And he's like, he, like you can see his face. He's like, are you cock blocking uh, Yeah. He's like, what is that about? You he let me like, put a pinky in your ass. <laughs> he's you, like, you let me get all pamook on that shit.
0: <laughs> it's true. He was like, wow, pressing my advantage was really the next item on my agenda Yeah. I, Why do you think I ditched those kids? Yeah.
1: I was like, oh, <laughs> go on, kids. Which secondly isn't that why the other nanny left like (laughs) isn't that why she was unsuited to the position is that the kids would just go off somewhere at
0: least she only let them run off like in reality yeah
1: they're like they could get stuck in a wormhole or something (laughs) i don't know how mary poppins operates it's true doctor who could show up
0: (laughs) that would be an interesting crossover it would be
1: really funny they're very similar if no they are Mary, if Mary Poppins and Doctor Who squared off like that's the end of the universe <laughs> it's, no and it would have to be Christopher Eccleston's doctor yeah specifically yeah because he's such a cold fucking bastard <laughs> ah he's so amazing make this happen <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes we'd only need to coordinate like 53 different rights holders to yeah. make this work. oh yeah I'm, yeah
1: I'm down I've got <laughs> nothing else to do
0: it's not at all true um but yeah they do meet back up with the kids who have found a merry-go-round and as jane says
1: my own private merry-go-round but they've clearly been on it for a while so it's like you just stop figuring this out
0: i just and i like that she's like well i don't really like merry-go-rounds but i do like not sharing things (laughs)
1: uh so you know bert's just having a fine time oh yeah and he's like oh yeah this is great if you don't want to go anywhere and then mary poppins not one to be outdone by his <laughs> lackadaisical ways. Like who says we're not going anywhere? And so the horses leap off of the merry-go-round. Again, technically yeah. amazing. Very good. It's yes. these like, you know, it's just merry-go-round horses. They have the poles and everything. Mm-hmm. And it you know, it's you don't see any of the rigging. Like right, right. there's yeah. you know, at no point can you see even where a string would be attached. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, just yeah. the level of craftsmanship is so good. It
0: really is. Yeah. Um
1: so they find themselves uh, in the midst of a fox hunt. Yeah, uh, which is clearly the character design on those characters is very influenced by actual Edwardian cartoons, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. like Charles Gibson who did the Gibson Girl. Yeah,
0: well, especially the first shots that are the, sort of the long shots of them. Yes, because yes. when you get close up, they have Disney faces. Yeah, you know? but, but like, but, it's, yeah. but like
1: the shape of their horses' exactly. bodies and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, uh, and we did post some cartoons on on Twitter and Facebook to check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're just interested in seeing what the source material was there yeah um so they wind up on a fox hunt uh but bert takes up common cause with the fox which is one irish fox people it is it is the most irish fox it is he says faith in bigora
0: he does and irish words we'd never even heard of before
1: Mm -hmm. and uh So Burt manages to save the fox, which, of course, we are very much in favor of. Absolutely, yes. Uh, Again, this is very symbolic of the lower classes usurping the privileges of the rich. Indeed. And of
0: uh, the Irish Troubles, which were going on then as for, you know, many years in either direction.
1: Yeah. Um, So that was also very interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then uh, Mary Poppins winds up in the midst of a race and charms her way into winning first prize. She does uh she just asked these guys she's like oh hey can i get past and they're like oh yeah go ahead like we're gentlemen and then they're like wait a <laughs> second yeah um oh isn't there a third thing or is it just the the fox hunt and then
0: the fox hunt and then the race the race uh and then supercalifragilistice okay i thought
1: there were some other guys for some reason i don't know why
0: well, I mean I think they present her there's a bit where they're presenting her like the flowers yeah, yeah. and all that sort of thing. Yeah.
1: Uh so then they sing super califragilistic Yeah. Which is again just fucking Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. Like yeah. how did they just not like why were they not like, you know, the uh the uh who did was it Dean Martin and Bob Hope? Who did all those things?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well it was Martin no, it was Martin and Lewis. Right. And it was Bob Hope and somebody else right it was uh i don't know Maybe. well look we don't know <laughs> anyway. but you know what I, you know movie yeah. duos
0: yeah they should have been one
1: yeah or That's you know roger saying. you know uh ginger rogers and fred astaire type yeah stuff. yeah yeah um I don't think either one of them is a particularly gifted dancer. Like they're both very competent. That's true. But it's all about their faces. I yeah. mean, they're just so yeah. committed to their characters. And, and well, it's
0: yeah because as as a kid, like the two dance numbers that I like remember liking were that the penguin dance, uh-huh. and, uh huh, and make him laugh and singing the rain. Yes, yes. So clearly, much different. Le- like not much different, but a different level of technical ability dancing wise. Correct. Yes. Know. But yeah, yeah.
1: So uh after super I cannot say it today man. <laughs> yeah. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Uh a big thunderstorm comes up and the chalk drawing is ruined and they are back in dreary old London.
0: Yeah. Oh and one note I had about the actual lyrics of the song which I would never paid attention to before but he talks about how uh when he's spends time with dukes and Maharajas, he just uses that word and then he fits in. Mm-hmm. Which is just another little social mobility thing yeah. that struck me there. Well
1: because Bert is such a chameleon. He has yeah. all these different jobs and he mixes with all these different social classes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he's very comfortable he's clearly not accepted by the middle class people right but they they tolerate him and they accept him mm-hmm. as being allowed to be in their neighborhood
0: yeah yeah
1: so it's it's very interesting he's in Mary Poppins too i mean they're both they're both essentially just grifters yeah like mary poppins just cons her way into that job Mm -hmm. at no point was she actually hired right well you know she makes it seem like she's like it's my idea i'm giving you a trial (laughs) yes and you know bert's just like well i'll do whatever i feel like one day and this other day you know we just skipped the days where he's a small time pimp and (laughs) uh you know a fence." so (laughs) oh actually fun fact for those of you who aren't aware uh another character in musical theater who's a small time uh pimp and uh fence is Fagan. Yes. Uh from Oliver. And Ron Moody, who originated that role in London, was actually up for the role of Bert.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Uh you know, wouldn't have been the right choice.
1: No, it would not have <laughs> been the right choice. I don't care. Right. I don't care. Dick Van Dyke forever, Ron Moody never.
0: <laughs> Agreed. Uh, so yeah so they they head on home we get to see a little bit more of mary poppins's bitch face <laughs> <laughs> the kids are not interested in going to sleep and saying that they did all these that you know all the adventures they had and mary poppins is like what a thing to say and
1: i just i never appreciated this part about mary poppins like i think yeah. i do come out team poppins in the end mm-hmm. even though she is kind of a sociopath right but i'm like why are you doing this to them Like, why are you telling them that the things that happened didn't happen? Well,
0: but this is, I mean, this is, I think, there's this British fantasy thing that is.
1: Like, have fantasy things happen to you, but just don't talk about it? Right. What happened in in Bert's chalk drawing stays in Bert's chalk drawing? Pretty much.
0: I mean, I think that's a difference. I think that in British fantasy, it doesn't change you. Like, all it is is you get to go visit this fantastical world, and then you come back to your regular world, and your life is just the same, and you have to behave just the same. Well,
1: yeah, but in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Edmund decided to stop being such a shithead. Well,
0: that's true. but and that stuck. That's true. But I don't know. I think of, like, Alice in Wonderland. Like, it didn't have anything to do with her life. It was yeah. just a thing that happened, and then she went back, and, and that was that, you know.
1: That's true. They did always get summer vacation in Harry Potter. Yeah. Although that got encroached on more and more. It's true. Toward the end. But
0: that, you know, that was, the, the story took over, but that was her original yeah. setup for it. Was that same deal?
1: Yeah, like basically. Well, and, and the, the Hobbits, with the- too, come back. Well, except for Frodo, but he's fucking.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh! That's that's a whole nother thing. But yeah, that's true. But Sam you know,
1: Gamgee comes back and just marries that rosy chick, and yeah. he's like, what? I'm just going to be the new gaffer, you know? Yeah
0: but yeah i mean i think with the original setup with the the dursleys or whatever like that's what it is it's like you can the best we can offer you is your life is still horrible but you can escape to this fantasy land once in a while yeah yeah like that's that's it that's all we've got you still live in britain sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like that uh eddie is her where he's like "Oh, british just scale it down a bit
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: <laughs> i want to be a shoemaker and make shoes that have never been seen before <laughs>
0: Um, I did like the song Stay Awake when I was a real little kid. Mm -hmm. I just have, like, very old memories of, like, curling up in a pillow and, like, you know, being comforted by it.
1: No, it's a very soothing song. So well done, P.L. Travers and Julie Andrews for keeping that in. Agreed. Because it's, like, it is, like, it humanizes Mary Poppins somehow, despite the fact that it's not at all supported by the text.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, it's part of her whole character, the whole, you know, dissonance between what she's saying and how she's saying it. Mm -hmm. and you know she's so contradictory and that song is a good example yeah. of it. yeah
1: also that's the kind of tricking of kids that i do approve of which is tricking them into going to sleep <laughs> right we can all agree on that yeah so the next day rolls around and the kids are all you know full of piss and vinegar about <laughs> yes. supercalifragilisticexpialidocious their their father cannot pronounce it but cook and ellen are into it yeah mrs banks is down mr <laughs> banks is like what the fuck is going on in this house <laughs> and uh so uh mary poppins winds up taking the kids out and they're gonna go buy a fish right uh which i hope they bought because cook's gonna be quite put out mm-hmm. if she doesn't have a fish for dinner but uh in route well they do encounter the uh admiral on their way out yes and he's talking to michael and i'm like wow the admiral is a significantly better father to Michael than Mr. Banks is. <laughs> it's true. Like, he seems like his cerebral cortex got activated when he was talking to him, which yeah. rarely happens with anyone else. Yeah.
0: I also had a note, that uh, just a thought that occurred to me during one of the cannon firing moments was to what extent interior design, what would the difference be, if, if much of any, between Victorian and Edwardian? Because it all looked like sort of how I think of Victorian interiors mm-hmm. to look. But I mean, I think that may just not have changed that much. And
1: I don't think we've ever covered that on Fashion Backwards. Right, I will right. take this under advisement. Yeah. Cool. And perhaps also to contrast it with the early years of the 20s.
0: Maybe you will. Maybe
1: I will. <laughs> uh, but they're waylaid on their way to get a fish by, by Andrew.
0: The ubiquitous Andrew. The ubiquitous
1: Andrew, who belongs to this woman whose name I feel like I ought to remember. I, f-
0: I think it was Mrs. Drew.
1: Yes, Mrs. Drew. Yeah. Um... Why Andrew's running around unsupervised wearing a sweater is not made clear to us. Well, he gets chilly. <laughs> <laughs> I knew a man with a wooden leg named Smith. Ah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Mary Poppins can talk to dogs because of course she can. Yes. Uh, Really, in many ways, Mary Poppins is just a very well-dressed schizophrenic. (laughs) Um,
0: Much like Dr. Doolittle.
1: Yes. So, also played by Rex Harrison, who is in My Fair Lady with Audrey Hepburn. Yes.
0: Again, you you can also see this exact same scene in the movie Summer of Sam.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And the movie Road Trip. (laughs) um anyway so andrew tells mary poppins that they have to go and and do something to help someone Mm -hmm. so they wind up at the house of edwin aka uh uncle albert
0: yes voice of the mad hatter
1: yes this character was supposed to be viennese which actually i wish it was because it makes perfect sense for some reason right he would be austrian
0: well it's that whole sort of psychotherapy thing going on like just just eccentrism and eccentricities in general yeah
1: so they go in, and he has laughed so much
0: mm-hmm.
1: that he has risen clear up to the ceiling. Yes. I laugh a lot. <laughs> right. I have we l- never... We like
0: to think that all of you do as yeah, well. Yeah, I
1: have never defied gravity. But no. I guess during the Edwardian period, <laughs> uh, Newton's, uh, Newton's laws of thermodynamics did not apply. This is
0: why everybody was always eating so much in Edwardian <laughs> times. So they
1: were like, well, if we don't, we'll just fly away. <laughs> yes. Uh, you think they would have utilized that to uh, win World War One faster?
0: <laughs> Just wouldn't be sporting.
1: <laughs> so they go in there, and uh, Bert's there. Yes, uh, Bert's gotten there first, trying to trying to help get Uncle Andrew down. It's never been entirely clear to me why this is such a problem. Uncle Albert seems to live alone. Yeah. He he seems to be having a wonderful time.
0: He is. He seems to know perfectly well what his condition is and how to remedy it mm-hmm. when he chooses.
1: So it seems like not a big deal. It just seems also, like Mary Poppins hates fun.
0: Yeah. Also don't know whose uncle he is.
1: Yeah, because he's not Mary Poppins's or Birds.
0: Right. Just just he's a got general American uncle. Accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: uh so they get in there and they uh they attempt to bring him down through song which right i could have told you that wasn't gonna
0: work <laughs> yeah especially
1: because it's a song that he started singing <laughs> yeah he's setting the terms of the debate here
0: yeah no this is i remember as a kid always thinking i ought to enjoy that song i and know but it's kind not... of stupid yeah it's kind i of...
1: wouldn't be sad if that scene didn't exist yeah. even as much as i love the idea of having a tea party on the ceiling
0: <laughs> right well, I think, you know, they needed to keep the wooden leg named Smith joke in because it becomes plot relevant. Later. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: anyway, but you know what's great about this is just Dick Van Dyke and Edwin, like, they are just having so much fun. They are. And uh, they're having a blast and then the kids get drawn in and Mary Poppins, Killjoy that she is, insists that they have to have tea. Yeah. And they're having a relatively civilized tea party, although people keep telling horrible jokes. Right. Um, and then Mary Poppins says it's time to go home. And then everybody gets sad and they float back down to the floor. So I'm like, why didn't you just come in and tell that guy that he had like three months to live? <laughs> Wouldn't that have solved the apparent problem?
0: You know, describe what life is like in the Congo.
1: So yeah. So then they, they get down and then they go home, which again, right. I hope they got that fish. Yeah, But then they, they get home and the kids are telling their dad all about having a tea party on the ceiling right like maybe this is
0: and michael's like i know a man with a wooden leg named smith and then i know another man and he said i was like kids suck at jokes kids really do suck at jokes
1: (laughs) that's really um so they're telling him and maybe that's why mary poppins didn't want them talking about their adventures because she knew (laughs) their dad would be like yeah so he calls mary poppins down and is like hey bitch Mm-hmm. You know, quit making my kids have fun. <laughs> this is in England, you dumb nut.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And so she somehow uh, convinces him that he should take the kids to the bank where he works so they can learn the sobering reality of being British. Right.
0: Well, and there was a line getting away from this world of female thinking. Yes.
1: Which did actually, I was,
0: it did make me think because that was sort of like, you know, this wasn't an unusual arrangement to have like four women living at home where the kids were all the time oh, yeah. and then the dad's never there and so it's just interesting to me how that transition worked for children into like if male children having to go yeah. from this all-female to this all-male world and uh
1: i think that's probably a big reason why the um the boarding school system had such bizarre rituals
0: yeah yeah
1: uh, I don't know if anybody listening has ever seen the movie If, mm-hmm. uh, starring Malcolm McDowell. It's not for everyone. It's not it's very strange. I love it. Yeah, uh, I think Tom likes it fine. Yeah, but you do get this this idea. There's just these weird power structures, and you know, upperclassmen can just beat the shit out of you for no reason, mm-hmm. and it's very very hostile. Yeah. So I mean, I think that that in part the schooling system grew up to um kind of combat that well it's like in um, that episode of mad men from the third season i think Mm -hmm. where lane price's dad comes back and lane's like dating that black playboy bunny which if you haven't watched Mad Men yet you know too late too late you should have watched it well (laughs) yeah but his dad comes and he's like flaunting this you know interracial relationship you know he's still technically married to his wife right right they're separated and like he's talking about with his dad and his dad just beats the shit out of him with a cane and it just seemed like very clear that that was like it was a part of life yeah yeah anyway right so yeah so that's interesting yeah um so right after mary poppins both convinces mr banks to take them to the bank and that it was his idea right that they should go she goes upstairs and then sings to the kids about how they should give all their money to this filthy old bird woman (laughs) right and I'm like, is Mary Poppins a communist? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Yeah, what the uh, what the end game is here? Yeah,
0: yeah. No, it, in modern society, this would not be a symbol of charity and goodwill. She would just, you know, be on hoarders, and that yeah. would be that.
1: Actually, uh, this was a tradition. People would go and feed the birds at St. Paul's Cathedral, but they had to ban the practice in the 21st century uh, due to the proliferation of defecation from the exploding avian population.
0: Literally exploding.
1: Yeah. <laughs> They're like, here, bird! <laughs> yeah. No, not on St. Paul!
0: I mean, really, I'm sure that was just as much of a problem in Edwardian times. They just, there was shit everywhere. Yeah. They were still digging their way out of the medieval shit pile <laughs> that was Europe. king of <laughs> Indeed. Um, also, when she's uh, leading into singing about the bird woman, she says that they should feel sorry for their father and, and mm-hmm. some stuff like that. And That's really it's actually if you watch the movie, as I did today. I mean, the He's arc really in the a movie is his. Yeah, it's yeah. his arc. Yeah. So that, that just struck me. No, that I and
1: I mean, and it's interesting.
0: Like the kids just stand there slack jawed the whole time. They do.
1: What is really interesting is that you'd have to think that, you know, the sentiment behind it is a very 1930s sentiment, you know, when the economy was failing.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: With basically no end in sight, people were like, well, let's reprioritize our agenda and be like, oh, family, that's good yeah. and important. Yeah. But in Edwardian times, I don't see this happening. Right. Like This seems like a very unrealistic situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is portrayed very realistically in that he basically never sees his kids. Right. You know, that part of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But I just, it seems very strange to me that at any point he could be convinced or that anybody around would be in his sphere would be spouting off this stuff. I mean, granted Mm -hmm. he is getting it from the quarters where he'd be more likely to get it. You know, he's getting, he's getting these attitudes from Mary Poppins and Bert who are kind of outside of their social sphere. Yeah. And you know, Bert in particular, you know, seems to be working out some daddy issues of his own. (laughs) It takes like a special interest, which I've always thought was strange. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's out of sequence, but I mean, Bert does talk to Mr. Banks later, and it's because Bert, being the only other male character, mm-hmm. is he—he's only going to listen to a man. That's true. You know, he's, he's only going to hear uh, what a man says. Good point. Yeah.
1: Good point. Good point, Tom. Thank you. Way to use that male privilege.
0: I do my best. <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, well, and there's also the line later that they say, if you know, as long as the banks of England stand, England stands. The banks of England, you know, and then in the 1930s, the banks of everywhere had fallen. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, so what was that all about? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: So then the next day, they they head off to the bank mm-hmm. and they see the birds and the bird lady at St. Paul's Cathedral, and right. they want to use their tuppence to feed the birds. And Mister. Banks is like, "Why would you waste your tuppence on a bunch of ragamuffin birds? <laughs> yes, like would it be okay if they were like young professionals? Right,
0: <laughs> they're all carrying their briefcases around and having meetings." <laughs>
1: All right, children. They, they seem like they could use a leg up. <laughs> yes, Help them get into Oxbridge. <laughs> yeah, so he took his kids to work and like no one knew that he was bringing them. Like he didn't notify right. anybody and they're all very much like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Bring your kids to work. It doesn't start until like the 80s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh that's 70 years away we're all gonna be long moldering in our expensive coffins yeah
0: we'll all be lucky to make it to christmas
1: yeah like yeah that's the other weird thing is he is clearly the youngest yeah uh partner yeah on this bank's board of officers yeah and there is a reference later to his father having put in long years of service right, So clearly right. it's like oh you know he was brought in by his dad yeah Uh, Well, he says
0: that he's a junior officer. Right,
1: but I mean, he's the only one. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody else has a beard as white as snow.
0: Yeah. Well, because young Mr. Dawes, who is clearly very, very old, old Mr. Dawes is like his father and is, you know, incredibly old. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, young Mr. Dawes is 60 or 70 and still working for his father. How depressing is that? I know. Oh
1: my god, it's horrible. Yeah. So... They go in, and old Mr. Dawes, also played by, by Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. Uh Fun fact about that. <laughs> so he got... Dick Van Dyke got the part of Burt without an audition. Walt mm-hmm. Disney just gave it to him because of his work on the Dick Van Dyke show. Right. Um So then when he read the script, Dick Van Dyke was like, Oh my God, I have to play old Mr. Dawes. Like, I really want to play <laughs> this part. So Walt Disney not only made him audition for the role, he also made him... uh donate a bunch of money to CalArts. arts wow which was walt disney you know that's still where where disney gets the bulk of their animators is from their program mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but i was like what a jerk yeah like because like dick van dyke was like i'll do it for free yeah. he was like you don't have to pay me anything extra i just want to play this part you know
0: walt disney didn't get where he did by letting anybody else feel like they had made a decision
1: yeah that's a good point yeah I just hope somebody will say the same about me when my head's cryogenically frozen. (laughs) Or sooner. (laughs) I'd be able to appreciate it more if (laughs) my head wasn't frozen.
0: That's true. Um, Yes, the the bank members feel strongly that this Tuppence should be invested.
1: Yes. Michael foolishly uh, informs and he wanted to use it to feed the birds. And his dad's just like, Ixnay on the earth, babe. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. We don't talk about the birds in here. Yeah.
1: So there's this whole song. Look, this whole sequence, still to this day, I just check out.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, but there's some they, – they talk about how you'll be invested in railways through Africa, dams across the Nile, both of which epically historically bad ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, the dams across the Nile sort of destroyed the Nile. The railways through Africa were mainly – basically the, the business model of the railways through Africa was – we will get the government to promise to pay us for these railways. The government will not be able to afford that. And we will thus get a piece of every, all the government revenue for the rest of time mm-hmm. because we've tricked them into saying that they'll pay for a railway that they can't afford. And whether or not we finish it or not doesn't even matter because all we care about is, you know, having a hand in running the government forever. Right. Like this is just part of the tools of imperialism,
1: which these bankers are very much in favor of.
0: Very much so. Yes. Um, but that just just really, the Railways Through Africa in particular, I've read about some specific railway projects that were just horrible, horrible mm-hmm. things. And so, you know, obviously, when last I heard this song would never have occurred to me.
1: No. Well, I think that's part of why I checked out, because I was like, this is clearly, like, nothing colorful is about to happen.
0: Well, yeah. Very black and white.
1: Yeah. So what does happen is that the old man takes Michael's Tuppence, and Michael really overreacts, I True. think. True.
0: The, well, yes, he really overreacts by demanding his tuppence back. Then everybody else overreacts much more dramatically by believing that the bank is stopping handing out money and thus demanding their money immediately.
1: Despite the fact that they're nowhere near a teller's window.
0: Right. It just – it causes a run on the bank. Yeah. That's what we're saying.
1: Somewhat –
0: Improbably.
1: Uh however, in the ensuing chaos, Jane and Michael run away into the seedy underbelly.
0: That is apparently next door to the bank. Yes. Yeah. So
1: this old lady's like, Come with Granny. Granny will hide you. And I'm like, in a pie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: wow. <laughs> like they run into some terrifying people, one of whom turns out just to be Bert. Bert. Thank God. Because they really would have wound up in a pie. <laughs> really would have to such well-fed young middle-class <laughs> children such as they um whoever ate it would be like mmm, lime cordial delicious
0: rum punch
1: <laughs> mary poppins is an alcoholic by the way yes which um, is Awesome. so they find bert and then burton gives them the spiel about oh i feel bad for your dad because you know you've got your mom to look out for you i'm like you don't seem to understand the family dynamic uh, yeah At all. Yeah.
0: They don't have anyone except a succession of eccentric nannies. Yes.
1: But he does, I think actually correctly point out that his father just has no emotional outlet. He Mm -hmm. has no one to talk to if things are difficult for him. And as we've seen from the first, you know, musical number that he did, he just is oblivious. He, he puts up this wall and he's like, no, 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 everything's fine. Even when it's clearly not fine.
0: Right. Right. No. And it was just very, like, again, very sympathetic to him Mm -hmm. specifically. In a way that the movie didn't exactly have to be. Yeah. But it's his movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have a note here that I don't know what inspired it, but it just says, yes, Michael, be quiet.
1: Oh, Jane. (laughs) Anytime Michael opens his mouth, Jane goes, Michael, be quiet.
0: (laughs) And rightly so.
1: Yeah. Um, So Bert's like, okay, I'm going to take you guys home. So then they go and they start singing (laughs) Chim Chimney, which actually won best song. Yeah. At the Oscars. You you told me that and... I don't know. That would not have necessarily been the one I would have wanted to nominate. Yeah, but
0: yeah, but I mean, hey, you know,
1: it's it's a great a song, perfectly fine I like song. it. I like yeah. it a lot. Yeah. Um, so Bert takes the kids home, where uh, their mom is about to go out for another rally, mm-hmm. uh, and somehow cons Bert into babysitting the kids while cleaning their chimney.
0: Right, right. Well, she cons him into cle- cleaning the chimney.
1: Yeah, and then saying, "Oh, and that'll amuse the children." It's <laughs> right. Like, Yay.
0: Yeah. And and I'd like to just take this moment to say right here that I don't think any profession has ever been more misrepresented in a movie than <sighs> chimney sweeping in this movie. I think you're correct. With a possible exception of prostitution in Pretty Woman. <laughs> <laughs> but it's basically the same thing. Because chimney sweeping, horrific. Yeah. Like, like
1: people died in like, those chimneys. Yeah.
0: One of the chief horrors of the Industrial Revolution yeah. was the chimney sweep trade. <laughs>
1: Anyway. Uh, but that is not the but case. But that's not
0: weird. This is a cartoon. Spanish
1: Imagining. Yeah. Uh, so it's Mary Poppins's day off, but she comes back inside just in time to watch both Michael and Jane get sucked up the chimney. Right. For reasons that I don't entirely understand. Since There's like, a, is Bert also magic?
0: Uh, it's just the wind. It sucked them up.
1: I don't think so. It was
0: a draft.
1: I, I don't believe that. I know you don't. I simply don't.
0: Well, you're not a fool.
1: It's true. <laughs> so they wind up on on the, the rooftops of London and they take this, you know, really stunningly beautiful sort of rooftop journey. Yeah. They walk all yeah. over the city. Mary Poppins creates a magical smoke staircase.
0: Yeah. Well, that's one of the... It, it makes the, you know, coal smoke choked hellhole of of the time look so beautiful. Yeah. And... and yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, you know, they, they finish that up and then all of a sudden all of Bert's... Uh, chimney sweep friends show up which kind of surprises me because he clearly is just a part-time chimney sweep you'd think that they would look down on him more
0: yeah but he also only lives in animated fantasy lands part-time and they all seem to know him
1: yeah so. that's a good point yeah well so they sing step in time yes which there is like a music video for on this dvd for some reason right oddly that's what kids like or i think
0: that i think it, there was a downloadable mp3 of it right. yeah <laughs> <laughs> like you know where else you can get a downloadable MP3 of that song? The internet. Yeah. That's, that's what the internet is for.
1: They're trying to prevent children from understanding how reality works. Apparently so. I mean, that really is, I think, Disney's, you know, uh, MO. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Again, a similarity, well, we haven't said this before, but one of the many similarities in the relationship of Bert and Mary is that Bert very much enjoys a beautiful view from high up, and Mary doesn't care.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tom's the Bert. I'm the Mary. Yes well i'm say. also practically perfect in every way so <laughs> that's another good and example. that doesn't hurt oh and before they go on their little uh their little jaunt mary poppins puts on extra soot and it looks like she gave herself a hitler mustache <laughs> <laughs> and i was like what you are you are a contradiction <laughs> my dear yeah uh yeah, so then the uh, the ensuing chimney sweep flash mob somehow finds its <laughs> way into the bank's household. Yes, because uh, Admiral Boom starts having uh, what's his name, Mister Binnacle.
0: Binnacle, yeah, Mister Binnacle. Which is starts... I think the name of a co- uh, another name for a compass, or it's, okay. it's compass related?
1: Well, regardless, yeah, he starts shooting off fire animated fireworks. Yes, indeed, uh, at the chimney sweeps, which seems really dangerous. Well, to be fair, their
0: choreography was also really dangerous. That's true. Like, they're all balancing over ledges and things like that. Like, you know, 12 chimney sweeps were killed today in a tragic dancing accident. (laughs) Choreographer held for questioning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So they wind up in the Banks household, just as everyone's coming home for the evening. Yes. Uh, and they hilariously co-opt everyone into their step-in-time madness. And my favorite is Ellen, who really enjoys getting passed oh, from right. chimney sweep to chimney sweep. She's like, all right. Like,
0: I'll I'll take some of that good luck rubbing off on I'll me. I'll
1: sweep that chimney.
0: Yeah. Apparently, when you shake the hand of a sweep, his good luck will rub off on you.
1: And it's like, Which, that's just soot.
0: Yeah. No offense to any of our chimney sweep cousins, but- wash up before i shake hands
1: with you. Not, <laughs> or you know what even better blow me a kiss yeah there you that's go. lucky too sure yeah um so mr banks comes in and is quite put out and and turns out all of the chimney sweeps were all very cordial when, leave, when <laughs> yeah. they leave they're like oh good luck governor, great party yeah and michael tries to leave with them and i'm like go michael go michael get <laughs> out of there find a family who can help you get a tutor <laughs>
0: Maybe they were all in ecstasy.
1: <laughs> that seems so plausible. It does. It explains so much of this movie. <laughs> but uh, so unhelpfully, as as all of the, the chimney sweeps have left, Jane says to Mr. Banks, you're going to be the luckiest person in the world because you shook all those chimney sweeps hands. <laughs> and Mr. Banks is like, fucking Mary Poppins. What the fuck? Yeah. And he he's, tells her... He's got a point. Yeah, he tells her to explain herself, and she's like, I never explain anything. Yeah. And then she Well, just, I'm
0: sorry. You didn't want a gang of working-class strange men hanging out with your children in your house? <laughs> well, you should have said so.
1: <laughs> and even if you had, I don't care.
0: Yeah. No, that is actually a very nice... Uh, that she, Her delivery on the, the fact that she never explains. Yeah. Very yeah. clever.
1: Very much so. Yeah. So, um... Mr. Banks is down in, in the drawing room mm-hmm. talking with Bert, who's there putting away his chimney sweep supplies. Right. Still not entirely clear if he did clean their chimney.
0: Eh, it's going to be fine. It's not entirely clear whether it was actually dirty in the first place, for that matter. It
1: was. Uh, Mrs. Banks said that it, it had been having this well, horrible smoking problem. She
0: said that. Oh, okay. Well. She just needed a babysitter.
1: <laughs> and you know, actually, the more I think about it, this scene between Mr. Banks and Dick Van Dyke is really, like, sweet.
0: It is. It is. Well, it, and it's, you know, because Dick Van Dyke holds that balance between, like, being deferential and not talking about his personal mm-hmm. life, but also being, like, empathetic and making an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very, yeah. I no, agree. And,
1: and just, and the way that Mr. Banks, whose name I saw, but I promptly forgot his <laughs> real name yeah uh just he knocks this out of the park yeah it's just a very human very real performance and just he's going you know his entire value system Mm -hmm. you know he's just called it into question for the first time as he's been called in to get sacked at work he knows that he's going to get fired yeah he's you know embarrassed and ashamed it's his children's fault yeah uh, but at the same time, we're just like, yeah, but your kids, like they aren't going to be around forever. They're going to be gone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you can't teach them anything. Yeah. Which is anybody who's ever grown up and, uh, stopped listening to their parents <laughs> can tell you is 100% true. Indeed. So he's, uh, he's a bit unsettled. At that point. And then the kids come down after what must be the world's fastest bath.
0: <laughs> oh, you know, Mary, she's, she got some ducks to help or
1: something. <laughs> so they come down and they apologize for causing trouble at the bank. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I do love, this is going back, but like when they're explaining what happened to Bert, that is like my favorite scene with these kids. Yeah. Because Jane's like, we did something wrong and it must have been dreadful. <laughs> like they yeah. just, they don't know. Like yeah. they're stupid. They're yeah. really young. Yeah. Like Jane might be eight and Michael's probably about six. Yeah. Like they're very small children. They are. Yeah. So they come down and they give their dad back the tuppence mm-hmm. and they say, you know, take that. Yeah. You know, we want you to have the tuppence. And he's just like, okay. Yeah. Now we're getting all fucking teary eyed up in here because <laughs> well, like they walk away and Jane just turns around and she's like, "Will that make everything all right. And yeah. he just says, thank you, because he can't say that it is. Yeah. But it's just like so sweet, man. It
0: is really sweet.
1: We didn't even cry when no, we were it. No, I know.
0: Why is this really happening? Weird. It's hitting us now, apparently.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. enough of that bullshit. <laughs> so Mr. Banks goes back to the bank mm-hmm. with the shadowy board of figures who runs it yeah. is in this weird Again, room.
0: Just some really strikingly beautiful shots yeah. as he walks oh, through the, the dusk. When and... he
1: walks through the park, it's yeah. just gorgeous. Yeah.
0: And he stops and looks at where the bird woman's, you know, post Uh is. And yeah, very, very nice. And
1: and this is where, just like his face. Yeah. He's so anguished. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally everything he's ever believed. Yeah. Now doesn't mean anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, you know, he's got to go in and kind of defend himself. Yeah. One
0: is, he has this little, the little song he has about how he had dreamed of carving Mm -hmm. his name in the edifice of time and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's I, – I like – one of the things that I noticed about this movie is how thin the boundary between the speaking and singing is. Uh-huh. Like, they'll just sort of slip back and forth. No,
1: and I think that's the other part of it is that they do it really well. Yeah. Like, again, comparing it and contrasting it with Rent, mm-hmm. they just did a horrible job. Like, yeah. they would just be speaking some things that were clearly from the musical mm-hmm. and singing others, and it just – it felt so – jarring and wrong yeah I mean the other problem is that Rent is you know essentially an opera like there's very little dialogue Mm. in the stage show okay but in the movie you know they were trying to make it more realistic right but in this movie you know just everybody moves seamlessly in and out yeah
0: yeah exactly
1: except for the Admiral
0: (laughs) well that's true and Mr. Binnacle
1: yes who I think actually the actor who played Mr. Banks provided the the voice dub for Mr. Binnacle oh yeah whoever the actor is that played him I don't Mm -hmm. think provided the voice Hmm.
0: interesting Yeah. So he he heads on into the the board of shadowy figures, the the bank directors,
1: and uh, they they tell him about in 1773 somebody used a loan from their bank to finance the East India Tea Company, right? And about the you know Boston Tea Party, which Mister Banks recounts in y- hilarious fashion. He yeah. says that throwing the tea into the harbor made the tea undrinkable. Even for Americans. <laughs> they don't crack a smile. That and I'm like, a, that was a solid joke.
0: That was real solid.
1: You could take that to the Apollo.
0: Come on. And it was so, it was a perfectly, it was the Britishest joke that was so.
1: It was great. Come they weren't having any of it. Yeah. So they never actually articulate that he's been sacked.
0: Right. However. I think the message is made I clear. Guess. Well,
1: because I couldn't remember. I was like, do they fire him?
0: Uh, yeah. No, they, uh, they rip up his, his. Rosette or whatever. It's, his,
1: it's a red carnation. They're okay. all wearing red carnation. Yeah,
0: and uh, uh, turn his umbrella inside out. Which I don't think the umbrella was part of the uniform. I thought is. Just-
1: I don't. I think it was because one of the guys stood up and was like, "No,
0: not that." <laughs> oh, right. And then they uh, punch through the top of his hat.
1: And uh, so they ask if he has anything to say for himself. Yeah. And what does he come up with?
0: <gasps> Super. G- <laughs> supercalifragilisticexpialidocious
1: and he just laughs and laughs and he tells them the joke about these two wonderful young people Jane and Michael (laughs) and Jane comes up to Michael and says I know a man with a wooden neck named Smith and Michael says what's the name of his other leg and they're all just like
0: yeah and I mean rightly baffled. look he He has gone barmy yeah yeah uh, but he has, and I have loved this line ever since I was a kid. Just when he says to old Mister Dawes that there is no such thing as you,
1: <laughs> and you say that to me all the time. I didn't realize <laughs> that it was from that.
0: Yeah, and I just I can't explain why, but that line, I really like mm-hmm. that because it's it's just sort of weird and abstract and but so spot on at uh-huh. the same time. Just it just that's the line in his whole insane rant to me that yeah. gets at what he's come to realize.
1: <gasps> well, you know that. Man and his position are fleeting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're just as unreal as Mary Poppins Uh in their way. You know, and like I say, the whole thing about the banks and the empire and everything like that, like the banks do end up failing. And it's because, as they make clear, they really kind of run their bank in a slipshod fashion.
1: So then, uh, he, he says something about that Poppins woman. She'll know what to do. (laughs) This is, I mean, like, he plays it like a, like a, like a legit psychic break.
0: Yeah, he does. Yeah.
1: Uh, and he just runs off singing a spoonful of sugar. Not to the correct tune. Right. But he can't be held accountable for that because the way that Bert was singing it to him was different. Yeah. You know, it's a different version of the song. Right, right. So then, um, old mr dawes is sitting there and he's ruminating on he's saying you know wooden leg named smith wooden leg named smith wooden leg named smith and then all of a sudden he gets it and he starts laughing and laughing and laughing and he rises up out of his chair yeah and his son is like his son frees out he's like daddy (laughs) yeah get down (laughs) yeah so then we we come back to the bank's household the following morning yes
0: mr banks has not appeared they're worried about it the
1: old constable is on hand trying to uh figure out if he's there and ellen immediately is like drag the river (laughs) yeah because they found out that he was fired right uh and you know
0: a place down by south southwark i don't know how to pronounce it Uh bridge uh it's very popular with jumpers yeah
1: and to her credit mrs banks is just like hey yeah. Not now. <laughs> right. Uh, now the kids are being kind of kept well out of this with Mary Poppins who's packing while they cry. Yeah. And Jane's like, don't you love us, Mary Poppins?
0: Because the wind has changed.
1: The wind has changed. She has to leave. Yeah. Uh, so Jane wants to know if Mary Poppins loves them. And Mary Poppins is like, I don't feel human emotions.
0: <laughs> right. Well, she says, where would I be if I loved all the children? I'd leave. Uh-huh. You know, this is uh...
1: I mean, it's it's a good point. Yeah. You know, uh, good advice for you nannies out there.
0: Yeah, indeed. they're they're
1: not yours. I read a whole article about it in the New York Times. <laughs> uh, it's very clear, which is, by
0: the way, the world's foremost source of information about nannies.
1: Yeah, by it is. far. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they clearly use glycerin and uh, menthol sticks to make these kids <laughs> cry. By the way, because yeah. like their eyes are so red and swollen, you are like, "Honey, are you okay?"
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, the constable says. Uh, so then. I forget at what point he says this. I just know that the constable says on the phone, "No hanky panky," if you know what I mean. Yes, and I would like just to s- like to raise my hand and say, I don't know what you mean. Well,
1: generally it means you know a bit of the old in out in out with someone who's not the misses, right? But
0: it just yeah, that just
1: yeah, but he's just telling them that he's like this really stable guy.
0: Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. True. True. Yeah, but
1: very very confusing. And I'm like, wasn't this supposed to be a kid friendly movie? <laughs> yeah. Well, not to mention the fact that the origin of the word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious may have been a slang term referring to Irish and/or Scottish prostitutes. Right. It's kind of an urban an urban myth. Yeah. But uh, I I'm I,
0: we're we're promoting that yeah. myth. Yeah.
1: So next time like you get to... yourself an Irish or Scottish prostitute, <laughs> tell the old gal she's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious.
0: <laughs> yes. Maybe buy her a meal or something.
1: Mm, Yeah, don't be a dick. Yeah.
0: Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, but then Mr. Banks appears. He has actually been in the cellar, Mm -hmm. um, and he's been mending the kite that was broken at the very beginning of the movie. So, of course, everybody's very excited. He's there and still in disarray with his hat and whatnot. But he is, you know, bubbling with life and excitement and energy and happiness.
1: And Mrs. Banks uses one of her suffragettes... uh, uh sashes, sashes. to yeah. be the tail for the kite so they all go down to fly the kite yeah. so mary poppins decides that that's the best time to slink out like a thief in the night
0: yeah well she's she's looking out the window wistfully and she's just like you know it's a hard life being you know a wizard or whatever i am <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: So at the park, the younger Mr. Dawes is also there flying a kite. Yeah. Apparently, all of London has decided <laughs> it's kite flying day. Bert's there selling kites. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's there. Uh, so the younger Mr. Dawes comes up to Mr. Banks and says that his father literally died laughing. Yeah. From the the Smith joke. Right. And so Mr. Banks, having recovered his sanity is appropriately sobered by this knowledge. He's like, whoa, I am, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and
0: he's like, it's, it's all right. I've been praying for his death since 1887.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so apparently the death of Mr. Dawes has left open uh, room for another partner, so Banks is back on at the bank.
0: Apparently so, yeah. I, I mean, which is an odd way of putting it. Because you know what else left an opening for another partner? The firing of Banks. Yeah. So the fact... It wasn't that there wasn't a slot for him. It was that he'd been fired. Yeah. But hey, you know, happy ending.
1: So they get to maintain their comfortable middle class existence. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Mary Poppins comes outside and is talking to her umbrella handle, also voiced by Mr. Banks. Yes. Uh... And the, and the thing is like, oh, you know, they didn't even say goodbye. And I'm like, well, to be fair, she didn't, like, announce that she, she could have waited. Right.
0: She, she kind of she prevented them from saying goodbye. She could have gone to the park
1: and been like, hey, I'm peacing out. See you guys later.
0: Yeah, well, because they asked, the kids ask, are you going to go? And she says, spit spot. hmm You know.
1: So? Yeah. Uh, you know, and she says my favorite line, which is practically perfect people never permit sentiment to muddle their thinking. (laughs) Yes. Again, sociopath. (laughs)
0: Indeed. Dennis Reynolds could deliver that line pretty much unchanged.
1: (gasps) He really is the Mary Poppins of uh, contemporary television.
0: (laughs) In certain ways.
1: My tools, my tools. (laughs) yes uh so yeah and then that's that's the end of the movie indeed. mary poppins flies off to terrorize slash improve some of <laughs> other family's <laughs> lives.
0: <laughs> indeed
1: and that's that
0: yeah that's mary poppins we we liked it we really enjoyed more it. Than we it we thought at least i liked it. M-
1: m- i was i was fully engaged i yeah. was singing along i mean it just you know it took me back yeah. It's definitely a movie that I would want to share with my kids. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's what it is. It's not just that it took me back, but that there were also things that I... That,
1: that I didn't catch. Yeah. 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 For sure.
0: Yeah. And just the whole suffragette thing was just oh, yeah, really because nice. Because when I was
1: a kid, I had no idea. Right.
0: Exactly. Even though
1: I think I intellectually, like I wasn't a dumb kid. Right. But you I didn't knew, understand the context Like of, you
0: knew what the words meant. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, that was just really Mrs. Nice. Banks
1: was hardcore. Yeah. Despite the fact that, yeah, she's just kind of one of the dilettantes who swell the ranks. Right. But, like, that's important. Mm-hmm. You really, you know, ask the Occupy movement. Yeah. Like, when the dilettantes left, they had nothing left to do.
0: Yeah. They're really important. Yeah,
1: <laughs> You heard it here, folks. Dilettantes, extremely important in order to affect social change. Yeah. Particularly if they're middle class.
0: Indeed.
1: So yeah, that is uh, that's Mary Poppins for you. Yeah, two thumbs up. Absolutely, mm-hmm. we uh,
0: we're big fans. We'll
1: never again see its equal.
0: That's right. Yeah, I mean, unless yeah. we watch it again. Well, which we might do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a very very pleasant holiday experience.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So that is, uh, that is the end of Up Yours Downstairs for the year of 2012. That's right. It'll it'll be our anniversary next month. Yeah. And, and we'll be back uh, on January 6th with our very first recap of Downton Abbey Series 3. That's
0: right. It's also the end of our off season. Yes. So, yeah. so
1: we're very excited. Uh, we'll be picking up programming uh, every week again. That's right. So we'll do every Each week episode. for when Downton is on. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And we our plan is to have it out uh pretty much pretty much by the by the time the episodes air on the west coast yeah
1: most likely it'll you know you'll you'll find out
0: right but uh, they'll be up and they'll be up we'll
1: probably be a week behind on our linny for that reason yeah so we'll have to kind of do linny post-mortems right but uh don't worry oh we're the linny is happening
0: (laughs) yes we're very very interested yes
1: uh oh also if you remember any like portmanteaus or any specific names we had for things or just i don't know any any of our little idiosyncratic touches uh feel free we'll have an open thread on the on the facebook yeah, um, yeah. we're gonna be reviewing all of our old episodes just to kind of make sure that we're up to speed ourselves yeah and
0: just get on get in the groove yeah. and that sort of thing but uh yeah. if
1: you've got something yeah let us know yeah all right well that's it Uh, once again happy holidays we hope you really enjoyed all of the off season uh, offerings that we've done here we've had a great time we
0: have had a great time Uh,
1: it's been great getting to know everybody we're looking forward to having more fantastic uh, conversations with all of you in Mm -hmm. the new year
0: we're looking forward to reading all the stuff that you have posted about things that we don't know yet yeah like there's a lot of backlog there that we're looking forward to we're
1: very excited about that so until next time up Up yours yours downstairs downstairs. luncheon out